about funny stuff. Serious about food. Serious about anything that I'm in the mood for. Serious. Let's get serious. Talk to me, talk to me, tell me about your fantasy. Talk to me, talk to me, tell me about your fantasy. Talk to me, talk to me, tell me about your fantasy. Let's get serious. Hello. Hey. Hi. This is Kendall. Uh, you're listening to Let's Get Serious Podcast. And my guest today is Beth Stelling. Hello, everybody. Hi. And you in particular. <laughs> uh, Beth. Yes. How are you doing? I'm good. That yeah. song was amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, I made that. I know. That was me. Real nice folks. Yeah. Well, you know, it wasn't just one take. <laughs> Let's just... It wasn't live. Um, all right. So, I've learned from interviewing people mm-hmm. that it's good to give context. Okay. So. Sure. Who is Beth Stelling? Who am I? I'll tell you what I learned from reading your website. Okay. Me. Everything actually, everything I read about you starts off by saying that you were um, oh, you were picked as best stand-up comedian by the Chicago Reader mm-hmm. in their 2010 Best of Chicago issue. Yeah, I was last year. Yeah. Yes, that was very exciting. How did that happen? It happened. Uh, let's see. By me, I did. I started stand-up in like two November of '07, so about almost three years of doing stand-up for a long time. Um, and then, you know, the editors of The Reader found me funniest uh, three years later after probably watching me for a couple of years. Was there, was this like a voting type of thing? There, or was the, it like The Chicago a, Reader, the best of, is about to come out again in a couple uh, weeks. But Are you, um, are you nervous? No, I already, <laughs> hey, listen. I'm, it's I'm one still of those re- words you only have to win once. I'm still resting on my laurels. <laughs> so, yeah, um... Yeah, they choose. So uh, I got I was the critics pick for best comic, oh, right. and I also um, another guy was chosen with me too. It was shared between me and another comic named Junior Stopka. So that we were chosen, we were the uh, critics pick, and then the uh, the uh, readers of the reader, <laughs> the, read- the readers of reader the reader, readers? yes, They're the reader readers, the reader readers, they also vote. Uh, which is the form you fill out online. And they picked uh, Sean Flannery and um, James Fritz was the runner-up. So, um, yeah, I suppose I could win the reader's vote if Chicago likes me the best. So I was chosen by... The critics. The critics. What do they know? Right? Yeah. So it is two very different things because some people in the years past, because I've always read the best of Chicago. I never, ever expected to get that. When I got the text message, I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Yesterday, I was thinking about taking a long break. <laughs> From doing I was stand-up? Sick, yeah, I was sick of myself and of what was coming out of my mouth. And then I got that, and I was like, well, I'm, but I can't stop now. Well, it's a good, uh, it's a good lead line. Yeah. For, is that the right term? Well, I'm going to let you say it is. Yeah. yeah. It's a good lead line for your bio. Yeah. Um, so... I so you do stand up. Mm-hmm. I saw you perform at Smush. Oh yeah, a, a while back. That was a fun uh, show, and that was that was cool. Smush is like a, a monthly event at mm-hmm. Stage Seven Seven Three where uh, they have a bunch of different people do stand up and improv and sketch and other weird stuff. It's like mm-hmm. a variety show, yeah, I guess. Variety show. 
So you did, you did some of your jokey jokes there, mm-hmm. and that was, and I was uh, entertained. Were you pure, were you there purely as a civilian, or did you also perform something? <laughs> um, no, I did not perform. Okay. I but I've been going to it. I try not to miss it. It's really mm. cool thing. I think when you have a monthly show, it's nice because we can put up the best uh, people by choice and give them plenty of advance. Sometimes a weekly show is like feels like you're scrambling. Although with stand-up, there's always somebody that wants to go up. There's mm-hmm. never a problem finding a stand-up that wants stage time. So that leads me to another thing that I know that you do, which mm-hmm. is entertaining Julia. Yeah. So what is that? It's a weekly show that I run um, at Town Hall Pub, which is a little dive bar that looks like your grandmother's basement. And it's at like Halstead and Roscoe. And it's every Sunday night, and I run it with the Putterboss sisters, Danielle and Tiffany. I saw them Starts, somewhere doing something. Yeah, they're two really great, amazing, silly gals, very funny. And they're my best friends. And uh, I guess it was two years ago, three years ago, ugh, uh, Jenna Friedman um, passed it down to us. She moved to New York City. She was a comic here in Chicago for a couple years. And uh, then we took it over, and we sort of changed things with it and the whole vibe and also we made it I, I think we made it probably more variety since the putter bars I have more connections from doing like sketch duo mm-hmm. and yeah it's become this really fun awesome room and on more nights than not it's packed you know now that we're talking about it I think I saw it once yeah but I don't think you were there sometimes you I missed miss. one maybe and I the Peter Baugh sisters yeah Putter. Because well, some, boss, some people say, say Pewterball and others say Putterball. Uh, it's P-U-T-E-R-B-A-U-G-H. And uh, it is their real name. Putterball? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Italian. Because I think right? I think it yeah. was uh, Off Off Broadway performed. Yeah. So were you not there when they performed? I've been there when they performed. But maybe they've done it more but than once. But I think once. I may have missed it. They've done it more than once. Uh, I think I was there. In Jill Valentine. It was, it was like a... It's like a little place kind of mm-hmm, it's tiny like there's a big there's a long, long front hallway kinda. yeah there's okay. a long front hallway with a lot of <laughs> dead space and then like a four inch carpeted stage so w- when you weren't there <laughs> i the seem to remember that somebody was impersonating you or something <laughs> like that i don't know i'm gonna have to talk yeah to you want to find that. out i mean it's kind of old news at this point this was like <laughs> a year ago <laughs> but you might want to kick some investigate ass. So you got that going on every Sunday yeah. night at yeah. 9 p.m. And that's a free show. Yes, very free. How long does that last? Like how? Hours. Hour? As long as you want it's it like, to last. <laughs> like a 6 a.m. Yeah, it's, it's, 6 it's, bar type It's deal. a fun come and go as you please too. Like it's never really awkward if it, you have to leave early or, you know, people are happy to take your seat. There are, there are off nights. There's always a night where we forget that it's Easter or <laughs> we didn't know that it was Christmas and people don't show up. Um, or, you know, we have a slow night every now and then, but usually we get a, it's, you know, it's a small space and we get a lot of people packed in there. It's fun. So when, so when you host, are you, do you get to do some stand up? Yeah. As well, or is we've created the Danielle, Tiffany, I have created our own sort of weird format. Um, you know, we have, we do little song medleys and we've come up with little commercials that we like to do and silly vocal warm-ups so we mess around a lot and um the three of us together have a fun we all enjoy it very much and i think we've all probably changed each other's comedy over the course of the time of running this show together um for the better so i think i you know i'm a little bit more on the 
I shop at Staples side, and they're a little bit more on the, where's the party store, you know, <laughs> that type of deal. Is that just off the yeah. top of your head? Or? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to help them get their mugs in order, and they're trying to pass me a joint sometimes, you okay. know, just to relax. All right. Uh, so another thing it seems like you're involved with is Chicago underground comedy. Yeah. What yeah. is that? Um, Chicago underground comedy. I think it started five years ago. I think it may be. I think, I think I saw something that said 2005. Somewhere. Okay. Okay, so six. Um, I think it, it was by Tony Sam. He's coming back this week to host, actually, the Just for Laughs kickoff show on Tuesday mm-hmm. at the Bee Kitchen, where Chicago Underground didn't start, I think. started at Gunther Murphy's. I don't know. I should really get my history facts straight. But Someone um, will be fact-checking this. Yeah, so. you should fact-check it and then insert it into my mouth. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> Chicago Underground Comedy. When I first started, uh, I moved to the city... Uh, right after graduation in 2007, in May of 07. And it wasn't for like six months later that I decided that I want to do stand-up. So that's when I started going to see shows. And I would go around and check out different stand-up shows and be like, mm, okay, I could do that. And um, I remember going on a Tuesday night to the Beat Kitchen to see Chicago Underground because I heard it was the best stand-ups in the city. And Sean Flannery was actually on stage. And I remember being like, yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't do that at all. I was very impressed by him. I thought he he still makes me laugh today. He's a very funny comic. And so that's really what kind of got me into stand-up is just watching it. And I was like, oh, I want to do it too. I I had been a theater major and I moved here to do a a play originally. And I went out on some auditions and it was just, became very disillusioned with the whole theater scene. And I was like, I'm too young to be jaded (laughs) and not want to work for this so and you have to pay your dues in anything and I did in stand-up um but things did also move very quickly for me um so I'm thankful for that too and you know being a woman there really aren't as many it's just a fact there just aren't as many female comics so it's easier to stand out yeah but I got to ask to be a member of Chicago Underground Comedy so that was like a now it feels like home and one of my favorite places to perform besides my show at Town Hall. I, there, it's two, two, different, two very different things for me. So I what guess. does it mean to be a member? Of um, if you're a cast member of Chicago Underground, it means that you perform at least once a month. You get a little bit of a longer set and um, you kind of, you know, you have the title of being group, like a part of a group of great comics, but past it, but and it's present. But still, it's stand-up, Just, specifically. Well, there, we've had... Like Mike and Dwayne are a musical sketch duo. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think of other musician people that are part of it. The Putterboss sisters just became cast members. Um, there's been a, a lot of comics that are moving that were cast members that we needed to sort of have people take our place. Mm-hmm. So and, when, and when does it regularly happen? It's every Tuesday um, at 930 at Beat Kitchen, which is 2100 West Belmont, like Belmont and Damon. And it's only five bucks every time. I've been to that beet kitchen. They yeah. got good. They have good food there. Yeah, they do. I love a, their steak salad. Uh, I'm a huge fan of steak salads. Yeah, it's kind of the best of both worlds there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. But it's a good place. I love it. Sometimes it's upstairs, but oftentimes it's in the ba- it's downstairs in the main. Oh really? Main okay. room venue, and there'll be like I think seven comics on that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe more like five comics. Um, so the thing, yeah. the thing that's coming up 
that specifically I, I thought would be now is a good time. I've had you on the list of like people after I saw Smush, I was like, I should talk to her. But when, yeah. uh, but the thing right now is this TBS just for laughs yeah. festival, which is a comedy festival sponsored by Twix apparently. Mm-hmm. And Twix. Twix and some little green goblin mm-hmm. guy. <laughs> yeah. That's a just for um, laughs guy. So I printed out a list of, performances that you were doing mm-hmm. off of your very informative website oh good is it informative it, yeah i thought it was very good a lot of uh not every comedian in town has a great website oh, but thank you. yours yours worked so i should say my best <laughs> one of my best friends um phil at dojo um gave that to me Made so the, yeah the thing. yes well, and darren kudos and mark johnson dojo yeah dojo <laughs> they're great so the festival is from uh, starts on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. We have the kickoff show at Bee Kitchen. It's, it's called like the Secret Underground Secret Comedy Showcase. Secret Big Time Local Comedy. Oh, showcase. I forgot the big time, and that's yeah. very important. Yeah, don't don't short <laughs> shift your uh, your gig. I won't ever again. So it's like the, that's the very first. thing. I mean, I think there's a film event also on Tuesday. On Tuesday, but live comedy. Mm-hmm. This is the the Kick kickoff. Off. So that's at eight o'clock. Yes. And so normally they're at nine thirty. So they've made comics are <laughs> notoriously late and somewhat irresponsible. So they've made it pounded it into our heads. It's not nine thirty. It's at eight. Be why, there early. Why'd they change the time? I don't know. I think maybe the, it's possible that the people running the festival didn't want it that way. They late. want to get to bed earlier. Yeah, and also sometimes the show ran long last year. This is the second year I've gotten to do this one in the festival. So we do a little bit longer sets. Okay. Yeah. So I saw a video on your website was that was from um, last that, year. Yeah, that's from last year. I was lucky enough to do two shows in the festival last year and that was Tuesday's beat kitchen show. And then that video is uh, from the LOL lounge. So mm-hmm. TBS is LOL lounge and they're doing those shows again. It's at red bar comedy club, which is actually just inside entourage nightclub down at like Ontario and LaSalle. Okay. 157 West Ontario. I have a photographic memory. So (laughs) (laughs) that's going to be a a bunch of great up-and-coming comics. And some already that people would recognize will be there this Friday and Saturday, or this coming Friday and Saturday, filming their own 12-minute sets that will be put on tbs.com. Oh, so do the... Do those just go online, or Mm -hmm. do they show those on TV sometimes? Yeah, they just go online. Just online? Yeah. Okay. But, um... So you you did one last year, and it's online. You can watch it. I recommend people watch it thank you um it's easy to find just go to what is it uh sweetbeth.com mm-hmm. apparently i like sweets. some people call you that <laughs> namely yourself <laughs> uh <laughs> sorry to tell your joke <laughs> <laughs> that's okay and it was nice so that's so that's one thing yeah so that doing. was last year and um that was like one of the greatest experiences for sure to be i think that was my first festival actually was that a big crowd um, it was a big crowd. The funny thing about it is it doesn't sound like it's a big crowd at all. They didn't mic the crowd. So mm-hmm. you can kind of, I'm sure from the video, hear like the uproar a little bit. But the lights were so very bright. And yeah. uh, But the, it, was, it was a great crowd. And I had a blast. Uh, they just didn't mic it. So it doesn't sound like they're having a, having a, them not much of a ruckus. But they were laughing. And so this year I'm not doing that again um, since I have it from last year. I'm doing, they're starting a thing called New Faces of Chicago. Um, Historically, New Faces Montreal is one of the 
sort of most this, exciting and biggest things you can do as a comic. It's sort it seems, of because this TBS fest it started in Montreal, maybe or it's um, like yeah, the they main, do one there. Yeah, also. just like uh, just for laughs is yeah um, historically known to be just Montreal, and it was this is what the third year they've done it in Chicago. So it's still a fairly new thing that mm-hmm. Just for Laughs um, festival brought to us here. So, um, but yeah, the new faces thing, I was actually surprised that they were doing it here. It's such a big deal for comics to get on the new faces Montreal showcase. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's very exciting. And also to get on that showcase, the scouts are usually watching you for at the very minimum two years. So, you know, they very carefully pick it. And then also, um, it's just, it's very secretive, um, until the week of the, Oh, as far as who's performing. Yeah. Yeah. But after that, you know, like last year there were lots of breakout stars from the new faces Montreal, like Nick Vatterot, mm-hmm. uh, who's a Chicago guy. Um, he's part of the sketch group heavyweight and also does stand up. And he just made his, uh, he did Jimmy Fallon. Um, he did a set on Jimmy Fallon and the, but he was one of the kind of breakout stars of new faces Montreal. So it's like a big deal, you know, and, um, very exciting. So it's cool that they've decided to, it's cool, and then also like, oh, it's like it seems like it's kind of a step down, I guess. But it's very exciting. Why? Why? Be- well, because it's like the second one, you know. I don't know why. I'm excited to be on it. I'm not complaining whatsoever. Well, you're so you're doing the new faces of Chicago mm-hmm. on Wednesday and Thursday? and Thursday, yeah. And it's a solid lineup. Very Sean Flannery's on that. Um, well, every, there's you can look up everybody that's on it, but there's a lot of great comics. Brian Babylon. And, and those are at Lincoln Hall. Yeah, Do you know I the think, address of Lincoln Hall. Um, yes. Because <laughs> I, I have it in front of me, but I forty-five, forty-five. No. Hold on. You're close in a way. Okay. But maybe not the way you'd expect. Man. Twenty-four, twenty-four. Really? Oh man. Okay. Twenty-four, twenty-four North Lincoln Avenue, Lincoln Hall. Yeah. Which is like it's exciting because it's such I a love cool Lincoln venue. Hall. It's my favorite place to see music in Chicago. Yeah. And the greatest part about New Face is that there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of people talk about not having industry in Chicago here to like maybe whatever that you would have in L.A. and New York to say, oh, you're a great comic. Can you write for this show or that show? Or I want to put you on late night television. So um, I know I keep bringing up the Montreal thing, but like that's one of those places where comics want to be there so badly because there are lots of managers and agents there to say to see like, oh, who did they pick as up and coming comics, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so now that they're sort of bringing this to Chicago, I've said this also, but it's really exciting to have industry come here to see our showcases, which is what the new faces is specifically for, for comics, for stand up comics. So we're hoping to get a really great crowd out on Tuesday and Wednesday. It's at 730. Yeah. yeah. And so that's like right across from the Biograph Theater. It's a, it's like DePaul area sort of. Yeah. What are, how much are the tickets for that? Those are 15. Okay. Yeah, and it's a great lineup, and we will all be doing short sets. So you're not gonna if you don't like somebody, it'll be over soon. <laughs> and if right. you do like them, uh, you know, ask for their number. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, is, is there anything else uh, festival related that you're doing? No, nope, just those just three. Yeah, just Tuesday through Wednesday. Yeah. And Are you planning to attend other things? Yeah, great part about the festivals is you get your little pass, and you can go see other shows as long as there's room. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to, you know, there's a lot of shows that I would love to go see, but I already have the show that night, so I don't think I'll make it. Like, it would be fun to go see Whitney Cummings. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also Dimitri Martin's having a show called 
Dimitri Martin and friends who are also comedians and wait. Yes, I have Dimitri uh, Martin and special guests who are also comedians and are friends of his. It's and that's like Kamel yes. and uh, Hannibal, which are both Chicago guys as well that have really blown up. So people like Hannibal and Kamel mm-hmm. mm-hmm. are those people that you have like performed like alongside i guess yeah yeah i I guess i've most of the people i haven't really interviewed that many stand-up people Mm -hmm. and i haven't really experienced a ton of chicago Mm stand-up other than at events like smush where i'm seeing like little you know sure smaller things um so i don't have a good sense of what the what the scene is like yeah um it, it is very it's a it's a great little community i I have nothing bad to say about it. You know, there are some people I think that find themselves trying to get into it and they say, oh, it's so clicky or this or that. So I think you do, you know, and maybe, I don't know. I I try to give the best advice, which is you just have to do the work, you know, and if people, if you're doing work, it's working, you do what's funny, you're making people laugh. I truly think that uh, if you're funny and you're working and you're getting yourself out there that you will be a stand-up and be, become part of the scene and get booked on shows and things like that. So unfortunately I think maybe people don't stick with it or they feel like it's clicky and, and also like it is very it's white dude central, you know? So if you're another guy trying to do it, I think sometimes p- people are quicker to write you off cause it's like, Oh, it's another one, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think like what's that your, doesn't mean you have your... to do something crazy to stand out, but it doesn't mean you have to have a very unique perspective, I think. So so what's your unique perspective? Um, my lady parts. That's <laughs> <laughs> No, I can't deny that it helps that I am um, a girl for sure because I am that already sets me apart. And also, it, you know, there's certainly um, I know, I mean, negative I, aspects to it too. People, a lot of people think women aren't funny still, so it's not like a thing of the past. So oftentimes I've, I do kind of like the challenge of maybe proving it to people in the audience or not sometimes, you know, but... <laughs> you know, kind of turning people on to female comics. So, But your subject, the subject matter mm-hmm. of your comedy, the, I wouldn't describe as being no. like female centric. Right. I do that on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, what is, what is your viewpoint? Um, I mean, have you thought about, cause I'm sure, or you could tell me what, what kind of thought process you end up going through to figure out like even what kind of acts you're going to have, you know? And, and I would think you might have some kind of like theory about what it is that you do that I'd be curious to hear. Yeah. Well, did you, sometimes I am curious about what other people think of it. I think it took me a long time to call myself a stand up comic, first of all. And then to feel comfortable saying like, oh yeah, I am a stand-up comic because it kind of grosses me out. And a lot of people, when people say it, if they haven't done it that long, because it's like even me doing it for about four years now is kind of nothing on the scale of comedians that are doing well. You know, if you think about it, Whitney Cummings is like a breakout star of 2011 and she's been doing it for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. So it's just... I'm only making a dent and I can only expect that I'll continue to change just like I've changed from, you know, I don't watch my early sets and cringe or anything, 
But I'm at, I'm getting ready to move and I've been going through old books and like I'm trying to get all I'm going back through old things I've written or ideas I wrote down and trying to find like sort of breathe new life into that material or see if there's anything I must have skipped over just because and then I'm also like finding books and I found a book that I bought when I was probably 18 it was called like comic insights because or maybe I was 20 um but I wanted I, I guess I've known I wanted to do stand-up for a long time but I didn't do it really until I guess my my senior year of college okay so let's go back in time then yeah tell me how how did this happen <laughs> you didn't <laughs> Were you were you always There's so inter- many things to talk about? <laughs> were you always interested in comedy, like as a kid? Um, yeah, you know, I've never been the per- I've never watched stand up. Like I, I, I do now. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, she's I've never, never watched seen stand-up. anyone else's stand. I leave shows when I'm done. No, <laughs> let me know when I'm going to be on. <laughs> I'll come in the room, take off my earmuffs. Well, you don't want to be influenced yeah. too much. Well, you know? I never. So you I can't I, be accused of stealing material that right. way. See, that's actually my. That was my original thought for a long time. I didn't really when I first started. I was like, I don't really want to watch. And now I see the benefit of watching other comics and being inspired by them, and also saying like I like this about them how can I you know incorporate that into what I do like say I love Maria Bamford she does hilarious characters you know how can I make mine better the ones that I do or how could I use more you know things like that so I do watch now but I don't like the idea of yeah joke theft or <laughs> right it's awful. I don't think anyone's a fan. Terrifying. <laughs> there are some people that are. <laughs> they might be a fan of getting away with yeah, it but I don't. That's true. Um, so yeah, where did it all start? I am the youngest of three gals. Um, my life has been, uh, I don't know, I guess I've gotten through tough situations and maybe it was the way I was raised, you know, by making fun of it or laughing through it or it's kind of like my perspective, I suppose, Mm -hmm. on, on life. I think I started more self-deprecating, but so I think I've always been that. Um, did you do a joke? The like classic stand-up joke about I look like blah 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 and mixed together. Yeah, no, never I look done like that my joke. mom fucked a blow to blow. No, no, I do. I just genuinely look like Gina from Martin. That's what I get. A white Gina, Gina. from Martin Lawrence. I get a white Gina a lot. Yeah. Okay. No, I don't. I have never written one of those jokes. <laughs> so if they're good, is when you really laugh because you're like, really, is this where we're going, uh-huh. comedian? And then if it's good, you're like. It worked again. <laughs> it worked again. Now I've never tried to write that. I really pull uh, just from from my life, and usually people will be like, "That can't be real," or "That didn't really happen." And I really haven't embellished much. You know, I guess general I've, storytelling, but yeah. there's no like the things that I say happen to me happen to me. So, and the people in my life I talk about are real. When at Smush. Mm-hmm. I believe some of the material I saw on that reel, mm-hmm. but there was one story you told about raccoons. Yeah, that, that <laughs> the numbers have increased. <laughs> yeah, the numbers have increased. So I I don't want to ask you to do your joke, but mm-hmm. I do think one of the things that struck me about your performance uh, is it is very conversational, like you're telling a story. Mm-hmm. So if if I were to ask you to tell me the story about the raccoons and you just told it to me now, right. would that be different than when you're on stage doing it? Um, and how? 
No. Some jokes, yes. Like if somebody comes up to me and says, hey, we, can you tell me a joke? I heard you're funny. Or you're a comedian. <laughs> tell that. me a joke. Well, usually it's a, you're a comedian. Uh, tell uh, me a joke. Prove it. Right. Um, and with some of my jokes, I'm not necessarily, I, it is me up there, but for some, I didn't do it on purpose, but I have created a sort of a little bit of a different persona on stage. I think your voice is a little different. Yeah. I don't know. So I'm a little bit different and it's, it wasn't like, you know, well thought out or like methodical the way I went about doing it. Mm-hmm. It just kind of, when I would think of something funny, that's how I delivered it. It was just how that came out. But when it comes to, so, so I've, I've been still playing with that. Like I, like I was saying, I'm watching old videos of me into now. I am curious. I'm still growing in things. So I am always, I like it when, first of all, I like it, of course, when I get reviewed or press comes out, but mostly because I want to hear I'm described. Like I am always really this, how I'm described. described? Yeah. Because yeah, I want to know what people think when they see me mm-hmm. in the sense that, I want to know what I'm giving off, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like, what <laughs> What do you get from it, you know? So that interests me a lot. I think it's probably changed um, the, way that, the way that I am. And I also change even when I'm hosting Entertaining Julia. You know, it's a difference of straight joke delivery versus, hey, we're here to host. We're having fun. I'm going to... You know, it's a different, a little more, it's a different kind of like, there's less of a pressure barrier in a way. Yeah, definitely a different pressure for sure. When you're alone versus with my two best friends who are also hilarious, you know, mm-hmm. I forget where I was going with that, but well, just, can you, um, so without like necessarily telling any of your material, oh, yeah. could you give some, no, just I, for people, for someone who's never seen you sure. perform before, could you give an idea of just like the kind of stories that you're telling? Sure, yeah. So I, you know, I, a lot of people will remember stories about my dad. And um, so I grew up with uh, with two older sisters and my parents divorced when I was like three years old. Um, I'm going to end up probably telling you how I tell it. <laughs> but, That's uh, fine too, but I yeah. just don't, you don't have to. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. I don't want to ask you, you to guys, do that. You forcing me to perform. <laughs> no, I... So awkward. No. Prove it. So... <laughs> Um, anyway, I grew up with two older sisters when I was, uh, three, my parents divorced. And when I was six years old, my sisters and I started going to visit my dad in Orlando where he had moved because it was court ordered and he would, he doesn't have much of a way with words. And so I, I usually say I'd still go see him today if he had like something nice to say to me. But, um, I remember, uh, getting off the plane in high school and like, uh, the first thing he said to me was like, Hey B, looks, looks like you got a little bit of acne there. I'm like, Hmm, thanks dad. And after my first year of college, he was like, more like the freshman 40, huh? Well, Dad, uh, I eat because you left us. So that will sometimes get a groan. <laughs> like, usually if I'm at a club, yeah. sometimes I'll get laughs. It always usually gets a laugh at, like, a, an underground or so more alt scene. As you're telling these same stories over and over mm-hmm. again, do you find... Are, do you change them or a little bit here and there? I always, it's always kind of like a little joy on stage when you come up with a new tag. So if you're mm. really, if I'm very comfortable, I'll come up, I'll add something to the joke while I'm telling it. If it comes to my mind, I'll let it happen. Mm-hmm. I guess if they're, you know, obviously I'm not going to do that on an audition, but I, I guess, will. I guess the question that I should tell them, I feel bad. I'll tell the raccoons so people know uh, my dad. I thought it was really yeah. a crazy well, story. <laughs> It, the numbers really have grown. So I still, you know, I visit my dad even though 
he says um, things that are awful. But um, this was probably like three years ago. And uh, I was visiting him in Florida. And he called me out to his living room like at midnight. And he was like, hey, B, come here and check this out. <laughs> You're going to want to see this. I'm like, do I want to see this? I don't know what I'm going to see. What I didn't expect to see were... 18 raccoons eating out of a huge trough of dog food uh, that he had provided them. So I was like, okay, um, my dad's feeding rabies infested animals in his backyard. It's disgusting. Um, and over the years, the numbers have skyrocketed to seriously 73. Okay. That's incredible. It's disgusting. So I'm like, gross, dad, what are you doing? He's like, don't worry about it. Every night after they're done eating, I bleach the deck. I'm like, oh, really? Okay, so you've created for yourself a 12 a.m. to 2 a.m. unpaid raccoon internship. <laughs> Take back your life. I don't understand the bleach. The de- what does bleaching the deck do? He gets rid of the germs so his wiener dog can walk around. Oh, my gosh. On it. His wiener dog's like his son. His name's Sammy. Feeds it too much lunch meat and then has to take it to the hospital. And he brushes his teeth and showers with it. So... In the bottom. I don't know if he holds it anymore. So my sister's like, this is a problem, you know, and she calculates how much my dad is spending on dog food to feed the raccoons. Didn't, not the Hershey Kisses were calculated. They're marginal. Or the bleach, apparently. So it ends up that he's spending $4,000 a year on dog food just to feed these <laughs> raccoons. And he's like, I know, it's a problem. I need to stop. But on the off nights, the raccoons take their long skinny fingers and they pick up rocks from our rock garden and they roll them up and down against our bedroom window until we come out and feed them. And I was like, that's terrifying, Dad. You like need, you need to call an exterminator. But then I didn't think about what that phone call would be like to the exterminator. Just like, oh, hey, exterminator. I've um, got a little bit of a problem on my hands. Um, 73 raccoons. How? Uh, direct result of my actions. So that's how it's like way too expensive to get them all exterminated. So he decides to go with trapping and releasing into the wild one by one. Um, And he, he's been taking them in a cage with a blanket over him in his car to like a field. And he drives a geo, which is essentially a roller skate. And he goes, listen, B, I've got everything under control. I've got three traps out there. I'm catching six to seven a night. So far, I've caught 49 raccoons, two possums, and a black cat. He's like, and there's still nine ones out there, big ones. That was when he was updating me, and there's even more now. I bet they're coming back. He's like probably taking them. Yeah, how far do like, you relocate to, them before yeah, they... They find their way back to they where they... They find a free meal. Yeah, they're, or it's just new ones, or they're being born at all times. Yeah, what's the lifespan of a raccoon? I did a report. That was my first grade report. With raccoons. Really? Yeah. I did it. You had, so we had your to make history a history with raccoons goes it's, way back. It's deep. Yeah. It's the only thing my dad and I have in common. <laughs> Love of raccoons. I don't like them anymore. One day we went out there while I was visiting still, a black bear was out there. Where is this? Florida. Okay. Like a re- And he lives along the Little Wakaiva River, but it's still pretty residential. Insane. Okay. So he's trapping and releasing them. Into the wild. Oh, and he says, like, when he's transporting them, they sound like Halloween. Like, they're like, and they poke their fingers through. And I'm like, I don't feel bad for you. So he calls me, and he's like, did I tell you the other day that one of them got out in the car while I was transporting it? And I was like, no, but do tell me so I can tell the world. And he was like, well, I was transporting it. It got out. 
Good thing I was just out of the driveway because I was able to pull over, open the back hatch. It hissed at me, and I drove off. And I was like, I know exactly how that raccoon feels. <laughs> so then he finally gets down to like the lead raccoon who he's named Snorky. My dad's a grown man. Named this raccoon Snorky, and he like sets his cage down in the grass. And uh, he said that Snorky, he let him out, and Snorky started following him back to his car. And I was like, that's when you run, Dad. And he was like, no, we've been friends for a long time. He goes, I just stood there in my swim trunks. And uh, <laughs> swim trunks? Okay, Dad. He's probably wearing a practice mesh jersey as well, as he's a fan of those crop top ones. And over-the-top Oakley sunglasses. He goes... And Snorky walked back over. Over the top? Okay, yeah, they're, meant, they're meant for snowboarding. He wears them in Florida. I didn't know anybody wore those. He does. And he didn't know that you could just get different color lenses for them. So he bought five different pairs and all different color lenses. It's a shame. And he wears Air Jordans. So he says that Snorky walked over to him, took his paw, his long fingers, and he like touched his leg twice. And my dad's like, as if to say thank you. I was like, yeah, as we're just to say, here's some rabies. You know, thanks for ruining me and my 72 closest relatives' lives. Because dog food and Hershey kisses are not something you're going to find in nature. And he's probably doing the world a favor because they're all going to die. But that does make me sad because I'm an animal lover. But he's insane. (laughs) It's part, and also my stepmom has always loved animals. But that's what you get when you lure them to your house. Like smart, they can open doors. They got those little raccoon hands. Yeah, they're like they're hands with long fingers. Yeah, they can do stuff. There's something creepy about those little raccoon hands. I know. I used to love them, but when you're a kid, you just think they're all like cartoon. But they are terrifying. Like an elf when it attacks Wolf Ferrell's face. <laughs> terrifying animals. Yeah. He's lucky they're not in his house, and they probably are underneath. Well, just it. when he's not looking, right? Yeah. Oh God. And his dog does nothing. The rocks it's like a fat winter dog. Rocks on the side of the house. Rocks on the window. On the window. They could break the window, no? I mean you'd think if they have hands and they And then just break in your house and eat all your dog food. Yeah. Maybe they're not as smart as we thought. That's true. Because they're just rolling them. Hmm. I can't get the power behind it. But yeah, so that's my that's my I talk about my dad. I mean, because how can I not that's real. So how can I not share that with so everybody? Does I guess a lot of comedians basically do like what you're doing, but they don't like not all of them do, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, because in a way, I, I as I think about it, I think, well, I guess all comedians kind of tell stories from their life, yeah, or a little uh, stories about their day or their perspective. But there's something like you could tell. Yours are real stories, I guess. Okay. And maybe it's because of the, like, there are certain details that, you know, yeah. like, when he stays in a swimsuit or something, right. it just is like, <laughs> okay. swim trunks. He wears like, swim why? trunks. Probably is- was wearing no <laughs> shoes, but maybe Air Jordans. So, does any of that, do you think you've been influenced by being here in Chicago where there's this whole improv background yeah. of truth in comedy sure i mean i when i moved here i was you know 22 and i was like i want to be on the main stage of second city i want to do io and stuff like that and then it became not that anymore 
<laughs> so tell me about that. Like, what was the? I didn't even like attempt though. It wasn't not, and I don't. It wasn't one of those things where I like I was too scared because I make myself do a lot of things. I'm just too scared to do. Just I kind of like that, you know. It was really more, I'm sure, a money thing. And then also, I think, just like people come up to me and say, "Oh, you're a stand-up comic. So what do you do?" Like mm-hmm. they, they, some people don't get it. Oh, so you improvise it. Or, you know, like, it's like no. Yeah. And then I'll, uh, I tell jokes that I wrote. Oh, you write them? You, no. Yeah. You think I have a writer <laughs> that's <laughs> writing these? I'm, People just don't understand how it works at all. Yeah. Well, and they'll also be like, oh, so you do, you do Second City. And it's like, no, mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, there is a new club coming into Second City, which is fantastic, of course, right before I leave. But a new stand-up club. But a lot of people don't really understand it. And I think once I moved here and did start to understand it, I didn't want to go through the, all the levels of the class. I, did, I wasn't really that interested in improv, you mm-hmm. know? I think I, I've always been more attracted to sketch and stand-up. And even then, you know, Second City, you're going through a whole, you know, improvisation. Training. Training. Before you do yeah. sketch. And it's a long road. And, to, you know, and understandably so, to be on the main stage is a big deal. A lot of those people work very long and hard for it and deserve it. I think maybe too long, you know, where they find themselves at a certain age and they're like, do I stay here forever? Do I move to another city? You know? Because they're aiming to be second city main stage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I went to, I remember I, I lived here in 2005 in between my sophomore and my junior year of college. I did this urban leadership internship program through my school. And they were able to pay for my apartment here and a stipend for the month. And I interned at Steppenwolf um, Theater Company. And then also I made some friends that were on the improv scene. And so I kind of got a peek into their lives. And it was very fun. But I also met with one of the, a graduate from my high school, um, Matt Craig. Yeah. He was, I think, like 10 years before me probably wouldn't want me saying that (laughs) but yeah so he went to oakwood in dayton ohio where i'm from long before me but he was nice enough to be like yeah you went to oakwood cool let's meet up for dinner and he took him out to dinner and he was on the main stage at the time um at second city so it was really cool for me to be able to sit there with him and talk to him about it and he really was truthful with me like he's still he's very successful now he lives in la he has a show i think he's still doing it frank and matt is what it is i believe but um, hilarious person, great guy, good-looking man. I think he has a, he's, he's married to a, a wonderful gal and has a kid. It's not about him. Listen. <laughs> he sat me down for dinner, and he was just very honest with me and candid, and he was like, I've been here a very long time, and if you have interest in doing this for a decade, then I would recommend going through this. I think I thought about that before I moved there, you know, a year and some change later, and I was like, I don't want to do that. You know, mm-hmm. I guess maybe I am sort of like instant gratification. So I like that I can think of something and then get on the mic and see if it's funny, you know. And to some people, it's worth it to go through those many years of training and stuff like that. I mean, I have done some training. I went through annoyance really mm-hmm. for more to break. It was when I was having kind of a lull in stand up and I didn't really know if you know, where I was or what I wanted. And so I was like, I'm just going to break up the monotony here for a little bit and take classes at annoyance. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's, I'm a little hesitant 
just like I was when I entered acting school where it was like, well, I have the tools and I've always made people laugh. So why do I need to learn about this? You know, mm-hmm. I guess it was a little defiant, not because I thought I was so good that I didn't need training. That's truly not it. It was really more, I kind of thought it would harm or hamper my instincts to learn about Stanislavski and Boleslavski and Meisner and all those things. And because, after being at Steppenwolf, you would do things the right way. No, I guess I just felt like I already, I guess I kind of felt like I was doing the right way if it was working for me. And I felt like if I had learned, add those layers of, it would jumble up in my head and I wouldn't do it right anymore. Right. It's like the singer who's afraid to take singing lessons. Yeah. And I was that too. I mean, my mom's a, a trained pianist and I could never do that either. Like, (laughs) I don't know. I just, and also, well, anyway, but when it came to... But it seems, I mean, the things you're talking about right now could be interpreted as you're like lazy or something, but it seems like you're very active. You yeah, like I'm are very working, driven. V- driven. Yeah. You do this stuff a lot. <laughs> yeah. I so just had I, to find... it's a different thing. Yeah, it really, like, you know, I, obviously I don't want to make myself look bad, so I'm saying like, oh, it's not that I thought I was too good, but that's true. I didn't think... I'm the best I can ever be and this is it and you know you don't need to you don't have anything to teach me because I didn't feel that way like I said I just felt like it was going to hamper or jumble things up in my head or it would influence me in a bad way and then when I went through to Steppenwolf and I was the intern for their school at Steppenwolf which still goes on today it's a great program it's like a three-month intensive for actors and being the intern I got to sit through all the classes and learn and help and you know of course I had to do things work too but I took all that in and I came back I remember for my junior of college and I, you know, got some of the greatest roles at my school and I went to a small liberal arts school. So it's not like I was, it was a competitive like conservatory like DePaul or anything, but it really did change me. And I think I realized the value of learning those things and sort of picking and choosing from those methods and what works best for you. So that was enjoyable. That being said, I have never taken a stand up class, mm-hmm. you know, and I, it's not that I wouldn't recommend it, it just seems even more of a different thing for me because it is so personal. And there are some great classes out there, like Cameron Esposito runs an all-female class um, out of the Lincoln Lodge, and I've only heard good things. You know, She helps you kind of formulate your jokes and gets you your first time up. So they can be good. I'm not dissing them. But I think it's because I, I wanted the whole, like, I don't want to wait any longer, and I don't want somebody to tell me when I have to rehearse, and I don't want to do something that I don't necessarily love. Or it's just me, you know? It's kind of up to me, totally. So I think that's why I was so taken by stand-up. When you were in Dayton, Mm -hmm. isn't... What's the name of the club? Is it Jokers or something like that? Jokers is done. Wiley's has been around forever. Um, Rob Haney runs that. I was just there in May. I mean, I'm... And Funny Bone's recent, the last couple years in Dayton. Like, from Cincinnati. So Mm -hmm. I you know, would visit Dayton from time to time. <laughs> Not that many just times. A, just but a party. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I think, I think Jokers is the place that I had gone a couple times oh, really? to see like Mitch Hedberg or something yeah, like that. I never went. You never went. No, That's what I was, I was not involved at all in stand-up whatsoever in Dayton until I'm going back to do a week at the Funny Bone in November, like after I move so I can come back and see my family. So you had never done stand-up. Mm-hmm. You weren't really even that interested and stand up like the only the first time I remember saying was it was it was my freshman year of college we had this assignment in theater class I wanted to be a 
I wanted to make people laugh. Like in high school, I got a couple, we did three, um, one musical a year. Mm-hmm. And that was like how I first started being like, oh, I like making people laugh. I love, I was always what the funny character. did you make people laugh then? I think my sophomore year in high school, I was Eulalie, McKechnie and the Music Man. Okay, so what characters? I mean... That's the mayor's you... wife. In the movie, she's like, one Grecian urn, yeah. two Grecian... She's just like okay, a yeah, stuffy yeah, old yeah, lady. Yeah. yeah. And she's, you know, she she's hard some, to please. Some... And Harold Hill has to, like, woo her. And Harold Hill was my boyfriend at the time. <laughs> he was. He was my first love. But that, I, so that I was like... The, I like the songs in that. Yeah, that pick a little, man. talk a little, pick a little. Yeah, that was my song. Crazy. But it is a great... I loved, I've loved musicals since then. That was kind of the only... They were a big deal at my high school. And then my junior year, I played Bonnie and Anything Goes, like uh, the gangster's girlfriend. And I got to do a fun little character with that. So I was doing a bunch of... And then senior year, I played um, Mae Peterson, Mama, in Bye Bye Birdie. Albert, Albert's mom. Like overbearing Jewish mother. Uh-huh. So like that was my first little taste of like I love making people laugh and being silly, and also I did speech and debate in high school, the speech side of it. I did humorous interpretation, so that truly also okay. was me. So there were some. There were yes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not trying to say I'm some like I tried stand up and I'm a prodigy. Like for sure there were. I was performing for sure. Mm-hmm. It was just wasn't stand up. Wasn't I didn't think it was possible. It's it's scary. It was scary to me, and I, it, it wasn't like I was listening to Steve Martin and like oh, growing up or anything like that. Like my parents, my mom watched Saturday Night Live and things like that, but we weren't like a did huge you, comedy household. Did you watch it growing up? Maybe no. I don't. You know, I mean, I love Saturday Night Live just because it's Saturday Night Live. I'm not a big like junkie that knows all the sketches or right. casts or anything like that. So, so then you get you move. You said you moved to Chicago for a play. Yeah, so I went through theater school in Ohio, and um, and then I moved here to do a play with, like, my professor had a theater company here. It was called Bigger Picture Group. It's now defunct, but he was doing a play that we had done in college, and I was just going to, we were going to move it here and do it for a month and a half or whatever. And it was a great experience. It was fun. I felt like I was doing Chicago theater. It was exciting for me as a 22-year-old. You know, a lot of things in retrospect are you know, silly now, but like probably wasn't a very good show, (laughs) you know, (laughs) just like there's theater every night of the week here. And it's not, you know, I don't, I certainly don't want to diss the theater There's every level of. Yeah. That's the, that's what it is. You know, of course I would love to be on Steppenwolf stage or Goodman stage, but it takes a lot of work and years to get there. Mm -hmm. And I think I found myself. I I found a trend that you do not (laughs) like that. <laughs> yeah, instant gratification. So, <laughs> so tell me about I'm the first a trend time that you did. Scaring myself. What was the first time you did? Like, what made you actually? Freshman year of of college, we had this assignment. What would you do if you could do anything? Mm-hmm. Stand up. I waited. I stayed up until like three in the morning. Why? You said stand up. Yeah. Why? I don't know. Because I like making people laugh. I've always been a bad behavior kid. Like, I've been smart and gotten through school well, gotten to a good college and stuff, but I've always been like, talks too much is disruptive. Talks back. You know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Class Certainly. Clown cer- type? Yeah, I was a class. I was, I, was, I was the superlative our senior year. I was a class clown. All right. Um, but yeah, certainly not anything serious like stabbing a teacher. 
breaking her glasses with my hand. Right. That's not. They don't normally call that the class clown. <laughs> they call that the most class likely convict. to be in jail. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So it was like yeah, high, college, and I wrote. I, I stayed year up college. late. No freshman year. Freshman year. College. I was like it's just assignment in theater class. What we do if anything. Some guy was like, I want to write children's songs. Other people were doing silly things. I was like, I'm just, I'll try stand up. I stayed up so late, I procrastinated on everything. And I was like, fine, like probably like five in the morning, or maybe it was like I woke up at seven to write it because I had class at nine in mm-hmm. Impressor Hall. And I was like at my computer typing it up. And I typed like half a page, like Times New Roman single space. And I was like, ah, that's enough. It was like two minutes of material. It was supposed to be five minutes. So that's when I started talking really slow and stretching it out. And it went fine. I mean, it's in a group of my peers. Wait, you know? so you were actually writing stand up? Yeah. Like and I memorized to do it on the, the way thing there. That you were like, yeah. picking? Yeah, okay. you had to perform it. Okay. Yeah. So I wrote stand up out on my computer. Memorized it on the walk over there. Forgot uh-huh. some stuff when I was on stage. But I remember getting the note in my grade like, you forgot a part, but you just picked yourself right back up, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> well, usually when you do stand-up, people aren't reading the transcript well, to see how, how right, close you're matching. Exactly. And so, you know, peers were around, and it was fun. And it was I was nervous as hell. And it was just in that little class. It was did early in the it, year. Did you get some laughs? Yeah, sure. I did. Yeah, <laughs> I think I got a laugh about how much I sweat. I think that's what it was. I used to be fatter, but, um, <laughs> and then I didn't do it again until right before my senior year of college. So about three years later. So tell me about that time. I was, tra- I was with my friend, Emily Giant and, um, our other friend, Christy, and we were going down to Charleston, South Carolina to see Emily's brother who all, he had graduated from where we went to school and they were in a band and we we're just going to go hang out with them and do all that. And they were always so supportive of me they always loved hearing my stories like you know they when you're a comic and stuff you like making people laugh you like attention you know and so or at least not every comic but this guy when you're a comic everybody yeah. likes that stuff <laughs> okay so most people and so they're always so great like joe her brother and tyler and who i was going down with they were always like tell us the story we love when you do this and they're like you know what you should open for us which is if most people that enjoy comedy and music know that they don't necessarily go to what together quite well, but it wasn't a disaster. I told like one little joke. My first one I had written, which was, it was about me driving through Cincinnati and seeing a sign for the Newport aquarium. And it was like two fingers, like two children's fingers, like, like a symbol. Like, what is it? A girl scout symbol or something? It's not, but on the screen, Either way, it was like two fingers like together, your first and your <laughs> index finger. Uh-huh. And I was and it said, "Guess what's coming next?" And I was like, "Really? That's I'm coming next if that's it's, but I feel gross about it cuz it's no, a children's thing." because hand. you're supposed to do the two finger yeah. shark Well, pet. and it's about shark petting. So, <laughs> and this, you know. Joke writes itself. Exactly. So that was like one of my first jokes and then I told a story about my my stepmother being drunk and calling me and my sisters vampires at a restaurant. She likes threw salt on us and called us vampires. What? Yeah, this is real, you know. Right. And uh, so then I and I sat down and I felt so great about it. It was probably like two minutes. I'm sure nobody was listening, but it still felt it planted the seed. I suppose more than the freshman year. Mm-hmm. And then, so that was like August, five months later in January, somebody approached me and was like, "Hey, we're going to do this open mic at Balcony, a bar." It's a music open mic, but if you want to come, like, maybe do stand-up or, like, tell some of your stories. And I was like, 
yeah, okay. And that also scared the shit out of what me. What did you think about that description? Stand up or, you know, tell some of your stories. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I was just like, sure. I got excited. I don't mm-hmm. know. I think I, I, at that time I was probably more story, definitely storytelling centric, mm-hmm. you know, cause it wasn't until later that I sort of wrote some jokes with punchlines. And even then I'm very, the way that I say it, my delivery and cadence, I suppose, is more of more of what leads to laughter than like set up punch. You yeah, know? I would say you also definitely get laughs uh, from a look sometimes. Sure, yeah, facials or which is so fun. You know that that it, that it, yeah, it's great. Facials or um, pauses or um, I like to put like little. I call them like laugh lines throughout the story. So. You know, people are like, well, how do you tell a funny story? Like, it's not always f- funny. And it's like, well, you have to add little nuggets of funny things along the way to get them so through the story. So there's little sides? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And is that something... I, so tell me about how you craft it then. Because what if... Uh, and also, this maybe is... Maybe I'm asking two questions, which is probably a terrible <laughs> idea. But I'm also curious about when you tell one of these stories, mm-hmm. if you've ever told one that you haven't practiced before. Yes. Like you're telling it just off the top. Like you, like I could imagine when you're talking to your friend and you're telling a story, sometimes right. you go off on a tangent. You'd be like, you should hear this other thing that yeah. they did. I'm a very tangent kind of gal. And you've done that on stage. I've and done that in this podcast. <laughs> well, we're having a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I um, only asked you to perform that one time. <laughs> um, okay. So yes, I have done that. In fact, I got the raccoon story a couple months ago it had happened and I just never did anything about it. Sometimes mm-hmm. the problem was also me. interesting that you said you got it. Yeah. Like life is a, sometimes these, no, it's true. Things happen and you're like, I got one. Yeah. That's a joke. You know, that's going to be used. I'm going to use that. Um, it's usually, yeah, it's usually for my mom or my dad. Something silly. Uh, it's like they're calling and you're like, great. I need some new material. <laughs> I need some new material. My, I get, I go in waves of being anxiety ridden about new material. You know, for the, when I first started, I said like, I'm never going to repeat a joke, which is hilarious. (laughs) And, you know, I'll always do new stuff. I'll always be writing new things and um, I'll never have a set list on stage. Those are things I said to myself. I don't do any of that, but I also realized it was actually from watching Michael Palasek, who was a Chicago comic for a long time and has been on Letterman and Leno. And he's just a couple years older than I am. He's very young. And it was from watching him so many times. He'd always go up and he'd do his set and do his set. And he, of course, he writes new material all the time and he works on it at other places. But And obviously he's been working on the same set for late night television. But I would watch him and be like, he does it great every time. And I think that's what you have to get to. Like You can find new things to work in, but it's like um, um, you go to see... You go to see Dave Matthews Band because you want to hear Ants Martin. I know this about you. Um, no, but you go to see a certain <laughs> singer. When you said Dave Matthews Band, <laughs> all I could, have you ever listened to Mike and Tom Eat Snacks? Uh-uh. It's Michael Ian Black and Tom Cavanaugh. Uh-huh. And they have a podcast where they just eat a snack and then they <laughs> review it. But they go off on little tangents. And on a very recent episode, they had one. Apparently, Michael Ian Black had said something. Uh, he tweeted something like I neither like nor hate the Dave Matthews band like he had no opinion of them Mm -hmm. so he puts this and he said he got a response back from somebody who was very angry that not about his sentiment 
but that he called it the Dave Matthews Band. It's actually Dave Matthews Band. <laughs> and then he and Tom Cavanaugh had this conversa- long conversation about the name of the band. So it struck me as funny when you brought up this band and said the name correctly. Which yeah. makes me think you <laughs> might actually be the fan. <laughs> No, I may you knew. have you been knew to not a concert. To say the I may have been to a concert eighth grade, and I uh, may have worn okay. jeans that were far too big for me, you know, and smoked weed on a blanket <laughs> so, <laughs> with friends. Was that eighth grade? Did we get dropped off? I don't know. I hope my mom's not listening. So, <laughs> where were we saying? Oh yeah, Dave Matthews Band. Oh, repeating jokes. Right. Um, you go to see a band because you want to hear the songs that you love, and I think it's a little bit similar with stand-up. You know, you may know that you like to joke, and then when you hear it again, you can still laugh, you know? Things will still make you laugh again. But it is a little bit, You have to. I have to think about it like that. I just get anxiety about creating new material and worrying, and I need to get in a habit more, and it still bothers me, but I need to get in a habit of living more presently, I suppose. Because whenever you get in a rut, the best thing you can do is just live your life and things will come to you you know instead of stressing about writing a new joke that's kind of just how I feel about it I'm sure other people feel that way too I don't know but I'm not gonna sit down and be like now's joke writing time right it's always little things that come to me but it's not how- a good joke but I wrote a joke about pantyhose one time that took me like a year <laughs> you know, it's not like a good joke it makes me giggle a little bit but it took it was like it clicked in my head one time I was standing outside that sh- smelly place called Ronnie's it's in Logan Square. It's like California and Dickens or something. Oh, I don't know anyway, Ronnie's. it smells like barf, but it might be B.O. But either way, I was Is like it, standing outside. Do they, do they My friend's noise bar? band was playing there. <laughs> they Is sell it a bar? bar? <laughs> you said, do they sell barf? I did. I did. Oh, okay, good. It's a bar. Okay. And a noise band was playing in the back. But yeah, I remember where I was when it clicked. Is that Quenchers? No. No? All right. All right. That place, what's that new pizza place in Lincoln, Logan Square? I don't know about a new pizza place. It's great. It's near next to Logan Bar. Like how new? I don't know. California in Milwaukee. There's Logan Bar, and then there's this p- fire in the pit hole. Oh. I don't know. No, I haven't. I don't know about that one. Check it out. Oh, I will. It's good. I like pizza. Me too. Yeah. So anyway, what? What was I saying? I was... I didn't even I was, answer your question. No, I think I asked a couple, and then I... It's my fault, too. Okay. Keep Let's blame it on my ones. ADHD. Can we blame it on that? Is that a thing? I think I was asking about when you... Oh, were, yeah. Like, performing performing one live, but... I, oh, yeah. I came and, up... And also, like, what your process is of, here's the story that I'm going to tell, but then figuring out, like, where to add the little lines and... I think I... I so, I will do that at Entertaining Julia at my show a lot, because we do this thing where we just talk about our days... So that's, it really has been an awesome thing to have that show because I'm so relaxed. I can like just come up with stuff. Sometimes I'm, we, the pro- only problem is sometimes we drink a lot and then also we are making people die laughing, but I don't write it down or record it. So it's just like in the moment there talking about your day when that's the, like, to me, that's the greatest thing is to be like, just talk about what happened just now. I mean, I re- repeating jokes is fine, but it, it does get so monotonous. It sort of wears on you. Like, Ugh. how do you, how do you keep it fresh? Um, I'll switch it up and just be like, what do I feel like talking? I'll try to add new things. I'll switch up the order of the set, you know? But when you're telling the 
the raccoon sometimes story again they or die something. sometimes jokes die because sure. you're just not because you're not it, behind it yeah or you find yourself kind of like just reciting yeah if you're like on autopilot you can't get behind it sometimes you can re like reanimate a joke by like really getting behind it or adding something new or i think maybe part of why people like seeing a joke that they've already heard perform again i mean there's probably lots of reasons you could psychologically analyze why Mm -hmm. someone would have that reaction but i think one of them is that it's about it's like watching a movie over again Mm -hmm. like if a performance is really good yeah the person's charismatic in a certain way like you or if you like seeing it yeah you master the timing you master the where you like say the punchline yeah you're right it's really cool to see that somebody can it's kind of cool and also creepy because it's like, oh, you always do that pause. Or like, right. oh, you're not actually thinking of it on the spot. Mm-hmm. You're fake thinking about it on the spot. You're fake thinking of it on the spot, yeah. And that's kind of amazing. And then also like, you little sneaky. I saw Michael Showalter at Shuba's. Mm-hmm. He was doing his book tour recently for oh, his cool. Mr. Funny Pants book. And he, it seemed like he was just talking the whole time. I mean, like mm-hmm. just having a casual conversation and there was some stuff that I had had seen him perform before. So I knew that he was repeating it. And there was some stuff that he had had in previous written material that I knew. Mm-hmm. So like I knew it wasn't all new, but it just he, it like was so uh, it was like an experience that I had having read something or seen him do something mm-hmm. and see him do it again. And then I'm watching it and like thinking about it in a different way because I've already heard him say that. Yeah. But then there were other parts that were new to me, but I hadn't read the book yet. Mm-hmm. And when I read the book, some of the stuff he did on stage was, in, was the in the book. And it's a totally different experience to... It's like I saw him perform... It was one show. It was all like... It was one moment, but mm-hmm. my experience of it was totally... Fell into different categories because it was like, I've seen this... Because you were a fan. I've seen this. I've read this part before. I've seen him actually say this part before. Yeah. I've never seen this part before. And then later on reading it and being like, oh, he had already done that. And I remember thinking like it almost when I saw him perform something I had seen or heard before, it didn't disappoint me. Right. Necessarily. Which is a good thing. I was That's like, comforting. Because it, because you're watching him and he's funny, like yeah. just his mannerisms and, and everything. But then... But- it almost made me more upset when I was reading the thing that I had seen him do earlier. Really? I was like, oh, that was from his book. Yeah. He, that's <laughs> I, funny. It's just a weird psychological It is response. a weird thing. It's, it's, it also raises a question of like how much, this is going to seem weird, how much funny can like one person create in a certain period of time? And how much, when did he create some of those things? How long has he been doing it? Mm-hmm. You'll find sometimes on YouTube comments of people will stand up like, oh, she's been doing that forever yeah on some people who have been around for a long time or i've seen she always opens with that or this or that and it's like is that a that's that would assume that has a negative connotation but i i don't i usually assume the negative i don't always go for the oh that was a positive email somebody sent me i always find so it is interesting it's kind of cool to hear too that you weren't disappointed by the by the stuff that you'd already heard but i yeah it was it was weird I just it was it's weird hard to reading. Do it was that weird. It was too. weird understanding my feeling reading later and uh-huh. being like, he told me this story <laughs> last week in person. Yeah, <laughs> and now I'm reading it, and that made me feel more cheated than right. Is that, than is it, seeing is it, it the a other thing way around. Of cheated, in yeah. a weird way. 
Have you ever written out your stories? Have you ever? Yes. Yeah. And sometimes I've actually made an attempt. I, when I first started, I would sit down at my computer and just type, 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 type what I thought was funny and things I, stories that I had been telling for a while that worked. And then I would read it and be like, oh, it needs to be funnier here. It's hard to go back. Like I said, I, when I was, I was going through books and stuff and I found that comic insights book and I was like, I've never read it. Like I, I never even read it. I remember reading a little bit of it. But it was <laughs> so far, every book you've mentioned to me before we started recording and during the podcast, you haven't read. Um, so. I'm having a yard sale next Saturday. So if you want to buy all the books uh, that I haven't read, you're welcome to. And there's a lot of good ones. Theater books. I'm sorry that keeps moving. No, it's my fault. But um, no, I just get scared that it's going to fall. We're talking about the microphone. Yeah. Inside baseball over here. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I never even read that book, but it's so funny to write some of the stuff that in the first couple pages that I just highlighted or underlined or wrote about doing stand-up. And everybody will always say, like, just do it. Going back to the the Showalter show, though, um, it is like it's, a, it's hard to do what he did. Like, take things that he's written or said or performed before mm-hmm. and make it into a performance. It's hard. You know, like, or even now Twitter is a whole new thing where it's like some people use it to write their jokes. Well, then are you cheating someone by saying that joke get on stage if maybe they follow you on Twitter? I don't know. It's weird. There's so many different mediums to come up with new stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you ever tell and jokes it's hard. on your Twitter? Yeah. Well, I come up with funny things that I think are funny that I maybe probably couldn't use on stage. Mm-hmm. Probably couldn't use on stage. And then some things every now and then if I just want to tweet something that's a short little bit that I sometimes say, I'll tweet that but i've already said it on stage so back and forth both ways i suppose but yeah there's a lot of places you i don't know there is an art to stand up for sure that some people are much better at some guys will always carry around a little notebook with them i can't do it you you know there's there's a lot of ways to be really good at it and be very focused and it does take a lot and i would say i'm probably in the i don't know i guess i do work really hard but have you ever thought about just thematically the jokes that you tell and and psychoanalyze yourself about that or like I guess that's what I was talking about earlier when I I let the reviews I get it's like they are informative like what do you think of me what am I saying and I struggle with that actually for a little while when I first started like what am I even what am I saying like what am I like putting out you, there when you tell a story it's like here's something that happened or something I heard about but here's my reaction to that yeah. or here's what I think about this kind of scenario so a lot of like big name established comedians they have sort of a point of view that Mm -hmm. you can easily peg of like oh well um uh no i can't think like seinfeld is like looks at all these little idiosyncrasies minutiae of life and someone like uh dimitri martin here like does a lot of literal interpretation Mm -hmm. and thinking about things that way and that can be funny yeah and maria uh, bamford will like just act out conversations she has like characterization and she has crazy like specifically weird characters voices too voices it's amazing yeah so i guess or you know even to like people like uh blue collar comet you know there's yeah. people that are kind of like grouping into different i guess i'm like i the things some of the words i say that, that have been that have described me are subtle, dark, um, I guess still a little bit self-deprecating, deadpan, um, yeah, what else? Twisted, 
twisted stories. Why do you think people say dark and twisted? I know. I don't know. I guess it's just because I do have a sort of like a... I, it's also been said I have sort of like a fuck you attitude, I suppose. I'm uh-huh. very laid back when it comes to being on stage. I'm very comfortable. I do I like it having that's something like that struck me seeing you too, is that I feel like a lot of people... I think that's my initial judgment of a stand-up is do they... Are they doing an act? Yeah. And I know everybody's doing an act, but like, do how, comf- like the, how comfortable the do they feel? Again. Yeah. yeah. Unless also- their whole thing is about being not comfortable, I guess. Yeah. And then it's a different set a of criteria. When you're watching stand up, what goes through your mind? When I'm watching it? Yeah. Other people. You know, I guess I'm a little desensitized to it. I mean, some people I like listening to and making me laugh. My attention span for it is not long. I don't know why. I guess what it's come to be is like me going to shows and doing my set. And before I'm thinking about what I'm going to do, after I'm thinking about how I did, and then I'm drinking or I'm not drinking or I don't always drink, you know, but either I'm going to go like have fun and talk to other people or talk to anybody else who's there or maybe somebody who wants to talk afterwards. I'm more, I guess that's what my thought is when I'm at a show and that's really... I guess what I'm trying to say is this. I'm going to do to do a performance. Am I also going to see a show? You know? I don't know. Am do you I ever go to see stand-up when you're not performing? Yes. <laughs> Usually as an underground member, like, you come out and support on a night that you're not performing. And that that is fun because I'm. that's the difference. I don't do it all the time, but whenever I have a free night, I will, I will do it, especially at underground, because I know it'll be a good show. And I'll go out and I'll sit and I'll enjoy what? I can hear something from the other room. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Don't get scared. All right. Sorry. No, it's okay. Um, so yeah, I will go and I will listen and enjoy myself more. And it's not like a when I'm there, oh, I ha- I'm going up, so I'm not going to laugh at anybody else. That's certainly not it. Like I enjoy supporting everybody and laughing. It's just like a, I'm not as into it because I'm there to kind of work. That sounds kind of silly. No, I, but I can understand that. Yeah. Or sometimes even people, you know, I've really have sort of put stand up first in my life. I guess I am realizing that more now was than ever. A, was that a conscious decision you made? Yeah, I guess so. And, it, I, and it's caused problems in relationships and for sure. And also friendships, you know, like, Why? Uh, hey, can you hang out? No. I'm going to go do a show. They come to the show. Mm -hmm. I'm doing the show. So why? I can't really hang out. They want to talk to me. There's a show going on. And I love it when friends come out. It's very important to have supporters and friends. And I I love that. And I love talking. It's not that I don't want to talk to them. but We don't have much time. You know, Mm -hmm. it's before I'm thinking about the So why is that sacrifice worth it to you? Yeah. I know I've been thinking about that a lot recently. It did kind of, it certainly didn't ruin my last relationship, but I really did, I would, I wasn't going to take off a night to just spend it in with him. Mm-hmm. I made a face, a sad face. Oops. <laughs> you know? No one could. You know, nobody can see it. But, I, you know, and I still really care about him and stuff, but I, I guess I really, it really was like, I'm very driven in that way. It's kind of like what are you? My what thing. are you trying to prove? <laughs> <laughs> that no I mean, one, what is, what is your, can't what nobody is your hold goal? me down. What is your goal right now? Where are you moving? I'm moving to Los Angeles. Okay. Moving to the West Coast. Um, I don't think I can do another winter. That was my main, one of the main motivators. 
Uh-huh. If you guys can make it warm here, I'll come back. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I grew up in Ohio. I have lived in Chicago the past four years. I guess it's, I'm fine with the change. Also, my reign is about to be taken over as best stand-up comic, and I can't, I can't be here anymore. <laughs> best to leave. I guess it's before, best to leave. Before the shit goes down. Yeah. I am excited to see who gets it this year. It's very exciting. It's a fun thing. They don't ever give it to the same person two years in a row. Well, kinda... I'll probably change that. Let's. No. <laughs> no, they don't. I wouldn't imagine that would be fair. Did you find... Uh, what did getting that word mean? Um, did it open I've any had conversations with people who think awards mean nothing. To me, I like awards. And that may sound silly, like who wouldn't like awards? Some people are like, meh, they mean nothing. I've had that conversation, like, well, how's it changed? And it's like, it's great. It's affirmation. And, you know, it's, it, and undoubtedly, it says it places. So if somebody's looking to book a show or a private event and they want the best comic in Chicago, <laughs> why wouldn't they go look at that and then book me? So I definitely got private event shows and things like that from it. And then, you know, you're always like, I've, I've toyed with what it means to be like, you always have an intro, you know, when somebody brings you on stage, name the best damn comic in the city this year, blah, blah, blah. Or she, usually sometimes people will get a, they perform all over town. <laughs> <laughs> Things like that. If there's not much, but I have gone back and forth with whether it's good to introduce me that way or not. Because people then like their expectations. I the show up. already is sort of like arms crossed, like make me laugh. You know, it depends on the room, but you know, it is kind of like that. Oh, what do you have to say that's better than what I could do? Which is usually a heckler. They think that they could probably do it better. But, you know, it's already kind of like that. So I do wonder what difference it makes. You know, are some people like, ooh, exciting. And some people like, oh, really? Let's fucking find out if you are funny or not. Right. And so I actually, you know, I wasn't totally comfortable with it. I don't think I like truly enjoyed the... Did did you feel jealousy from people? Um, I guess I have more in the last couple months. Like I've always been a very, I, you know, I want I I like to be liked. <laughs> These are probably things that go through a lot of people's minds. But when it comes to the stand up scene and even like who I interact with, I am you know I always like to be nice to everybody. I don't purposely exclude anybody. Or whenever anybody asks me for advice or how do I get into it, I'm always very helpful and. You know, it's important to be nice to others. That's a big part of who I am as a comic on the scene, I would say. Mm -hmm. So when people don't like me, I don't like it. (laughs) It's very puzzling and it creates, you know. So there there are people that don't like me that I've come to know (laughs) or come to find out about. That's great. You know, it was (laughs) I had an experience one time at my show where one of these people's um, that I'm talking about was like, you hate me, I hate you. And I was like, what? <laughs> I do not hate you. I don't know what you're talking about. So, you know, I think maybe sometimes if I am a little more shy or quiet on my own, just because I'm, you know, on stage and stuff, I'm still pretty subdued on stage. So it's not like I'm like Robin Williams on stage and off stage, I'm like a mute. But, you know, I'm a person. It doesn't mean I'm always going to be like, I don't know. I just think sometimes if people come on the scene and I'm not talking to you or something, perhaps I don't know you're a comic or, you know, I have no problem whatsoever with people saying, hey, I'm new on the scene or what's up and getting to know me so I can remember them, you know? As a person, mm-hmm. what are what are your other interests? 
There are none. Just comedy. Yeah, just comedy all the time. What are my other interests as a person? <laughs> well, I mean, you described, you said you were a person. Sex. And... Sex <laughs> is one of them. Making, I am a barista. I uh, like, I like the coffee making biz. Um, what else is a personal interest? Not reading books that I buy. Mm. I love collecting books to smell them, but <laughs> not to read them. There's nothing like a library smell uh-huh. or a new book. Smell. I know somebody who claims that the smell of a bookstore mm-hmm. gives her gas. A boner. Oh, <laughs> no? okay. No. <laughs> gas. <laughs> the smell of bookstores. Something happened to her as her a gas. child in a bookstore. <laughs> What's that? Oh, it makes her have to poop. Makes her have to poop. Hide and seek makes me have to poop. Really? Yeah, it's just so nerve wracking. Really? Yeah, I used to hide in the dryer as a kid. That was also. That sounds dangerous. Dangerous. Yeah. Well, I had a single mom. She was, you know, busy crying. Right. I'm kidding. She was a great mom. Never cried once. (laughs) That's the criteria. Yeah. They must be judged upon. (laughs) Whether you cry or not. Playing hide and seek makes you have to poop, though. Yeah. Is it because you feel like you're trapped? I get nervous. What's the thing that makes you found. the most nervous now? Stand up. I will have. Uh, I I think I got narrowed it down to the Red Bull making it happen, or maybe it's like a cigarette or something. I don't know. I think it's Red Bull. But if I drink something before, I think this has happened a couple times. I will get nervous for things, for sure. Before if it's an important audition and stuff. But sometimes I handle it better than others. Maybe it's coffee. Or diet, co- I don't know. Coffee makes you nervous? It could be all those things, but it's all before a show. So sometimes I'm totally cool. One time I went away for two weeks. I forget where I was and within the last year. Came back to do an underground show, which is like, you know, home base, but also ha- holds that status in my head of like, this is where be- the best people perform, you know? And I was like so nervous, like shaky nervous. And I was like, what's going on? You know, it was puzzling. So my body will still do things to me that does, I'm surprised does by. Does that maintain when you're on stage? No. After you started? No. It, cool it will size. leave me. Yeah. And sometimes I'm totally cool. And then I realize it's not going so well because I'm too laid back. Then I get nervous and start to sweat. Hmm. Or sometimes you're doing a show in Newport, Kentucky. And your ex-boyfriend is there in the front row with his current wife. <laughs> and then the other ex-boyfriend is in the back of the room. Uh-huh. And that's when what makes you sweat. Yeah. So Where many Newport variables. Would, at the funny bone? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's different things. Uh-huh. Or maybe a crowd's not feeling you and you start to sweat, you know? So, so sweat. Of, it's usually a sweat. It could. It's not always a sweat. Uh-huh. It's not like sweaty palms or anything like that, but it could be like a these lights are hot and I'm getting nervous and it's not going well and now I'm sweating a lot. Okay. I'm just trying to figure out. I mean, I can't believe that happened. It did. It's so bad. <laughs> was it on purpose? Were the ex-boyfriends? No, the ex-boyfriends. No, yeah, it was on purpose. I'm kidding about him and his wife. We're in the front row and they're very sweet people and we have a good relationship. But Okay. So you're doing, I hadn't seen him in forever. You're just doing a bit. It wasn't a bit. Was it, am I real or am I fake? No, it did make I asked me nervous. You as a real person, it did. I'm and real. Then... <laughs> I'm real. No, it truly did make me nervous. We. It's not like, why would he show up if like we had some sort of like domestic yeah. dispute? Well, maybe you were surprised. Like I knew he was coming. I invited him. You know, oh, okay. I didn't... you invited him. Okay, I didn't. Invite... Right. <laughs> he said, "Oh, if this worst. Seen... <laughs> the worst thing happened, and my ex boyfriend shows up with no. his wife." P.S. I invited him. Well, no. He said, <laughs> let me know whenever you're doing shows in Cincinnati. And it doesn't mean I can't get nervous about it. Yeah. Kendall. Yeah. So, yeah, I got a little nervous. Okay. Tell me, me about being a barista. The other people, too. Or the other ex-boyfriend was there, too. Yeah. 
What about him? Did you invite him? And he wasn't even an ex-boyfriend. Did you invite him? Yes. Okay. So who cares if I put it I'd on look, myself? I, I tried to move on to a different topic. Well, I just You're trying to one. redeem myself. Well, I don't know if it's working. <laughs> Barista. Yeah. How's that? It's pretty great. Yeah. I manage a coffee shop in Buena Park. Okay. It's called Dollop. Like a Clarendon, dollop Like of a dollop of cream? You were going to say Daisy, which is the brand. And then they're doing I well. wasn't going to say that. Oh, I'm sorry. I put words in your mouth. We finish each other's sentences. Okay. <laughs> Um, but yeah, dollop of cream, dollop uh, of okay, sugar. It's a certain measurement, you know. I think of a dollop as being, uh, like a like a whipped cream or something. Like sure. it's got like that consistency. Like it like sour it, cream. Yeah, like if you hold the spoon upside down, it's gonna stick on there, and you have to and go. you have to like whip it a little bit. Yeah. That's Whip, a dollop. Yeah, dollop. Whipping the dollop. That's Whip where the phrase the whipping the dollop comes yeah. from, actually. <laughs> I use that a lot. That do phrase. you <laughs> do you end up dolloping things at the I'm trying to as think. a barista? No. What kind of what kind of drink do you like to drink? Mm, I'll usually have a cafe au lait with a mild roast. We we serve Metropolis roasted coffee, Metropolis coffee. What's a cafe au lait? It's half coffee, oh. half steamed milk. Okay. It's delicious. So how is that? That's So how is a latte? A latte I'll, is espresso? A latte is espresso and steamed milk. Okay. So. A little bit. It's a different taste. Uh-huh. How would you compare the t- How would you describe the difference mm, in taste? I, you know, my palate is not refined. Okay. Um, I mean, how'd that end up being your drink? It's just kind of like, you know, if you can't drink straight black coffee, which I don't prefer, the taste isn't that great to me. Well, you add milk and it totally makes it bearable. Okay. It's not like I drink coffee like, ew, like I like coffee. I mean, you're a barista, sure. so hopefully you don't yeah. hate it. No, but the milk makes me be able to, t- I feel like I find the tastes more What's the most appealing. annoying thing that a customer orders? Usually like a, a really big drink. With lots of like shots. size? Yeah. Not like big iced tea or big iced coffee. That's fine. I just have to pour it in there. But if it's like, can I have a large latte with an extra shot? Well, we use an automatic machine. So, you know, you uh-huh. pull four shots. And, and that. It's, so it's just the time. Yeah. What if somebody asks for that, but it's like you're dead and there's no line? Is it still annoying? No. It also depends on the mood you're in. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, you know, ever practice? It's all about you how ever- you ask. Do you ever uh, work on material with customers? I'm trying to think. I've probably <laughs> tweeted something that somebody said at the store. Like, some guy was like, my dog doesn't like your biscottis. And I was like, all right. Is sorry that about that. <laughs> I know. Sorry. Don't give them to him. Huh. I think it was biscottis. Maybe you said Rice Krispie treats. There's another guy that, there's another guy that comes in with two huge... I think they're Great Dane dogs or something. Mm-hmm. Huge. It'll come in and it'll get two blueberry muffins for the dogs or like a cupcake and a bagel. It, well, they're for, for the, dogs. the dogs. It'll say they're for the dogs. Huh. Do you think you'll be able to find a barista job in Los Angeles? I hope so. I hope. I'm trying. There's do you a, already I have, have a lead. When are you, when are you moving? Like seven weeks. And do you have like roots in place or are you yeah what's your plan 
So Are you sure you thought this through? Are you sure you want to leave? Are you guys asking me to move in? Because <laughs> I will. There's not a lot of space no, here. No, I but... will. We'll make it work. Okay. Um, yes, I, my agent is there, and um, I have some manager meetings set up, which I'm excited about. You have an agent? Ooh. We didn't even... I didn't even know that. Uh-oh. And then also I am... I'm in um, I'm a member of AFTRA, and so that's also a good thing. It would have been nice if I could uh, be SAG before I go, but mm. um, a union member, but hopefully I'll... What is AFTRA? It is... It's kind of like SAG, but it also include. I think SAG probably does include radio. I don't know. I think the difference... They're, not, they're, they're thinking okay. about joining. It's, it's okay. not like a vast the difference. They're just u- unions that protect uh, performers, actors. Okay. Cause I and I was on um, You've done Detroit something. 187 on ABC, and then um, I also did a McDonald's, like a radio ad with Dave Pasquazi. Um, Have you done a lot of voice like radio voice stuff? Mm, not a ton. Just I just booked that McDonald's thing, and then I I will go in for auditions a lot. You probably wouldn't. How did you get an agent? Um, actually, a lot of a lot of people ask me that. It's usually. Like, for a long time, I would, like, try to submit packets or put a press kit together. And I'm glad I did that because the agent I currently have really liked that. But he wouldn't – He the only reason he looked at it is because I was recommended by another comic that already that he already represented. Mm-hmm. So I think he was looking for a lady comic. And uh, and then Prescott recommended me, Prescott Tolk, who's another great comic in Chicago. He's also moving to L.A. Hmm. So um, I was recommended. So – that's kind of like the best way to do it. Like I, I know that the press kits that I had put together at some point in time were thrown away. Right. <laughs> I don't want people to not try, but it's really best to like go with somebody who, you know, obviously you want to want them and you want them to want you. So that's the best kind of relationship. And when the time's right, like when you're ready to work and go on auditions and stuff. But yeah, so I have some things ready for me. And I got a lot of friends out there. I lived with um, a couple guys in a sketch group from the cool table when they were here. And they, they're both out there now with the rest of them. Yeah, I interviewed uh, Joey. Christopolis? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was and, my roommate. And uh, Dan Sanders, Sanders Joyce. Joyce, yes, during Sketch Fest. So, oh, cool. Yeah. They're great. Yeah. I love those guys. The cool table's great. Lindsay Fisher uh, was and Hannah Hensley were two of the girls I hung out with and met that summer of 05 when I spent here in Chicago before I finished school. In their cool Both tables. in L.A. Mm-hmm. That one girl. Hannah used to be. She's not anymore, but for a short period of time, I think she was. Yeah. The very beginnings. I just remember at Sketchfest, one of the girls in the cool table Mary? in particular was cracking me up yeah. constantly. <laughs> were they all here or? They, or uh, just in their shows? Just no, just in the show. In yeah. The show, I mean, Lindsay Fisher is the shorter one, and then Mary Williamson is she's taller. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to start any. Fights, well, let's so. pick one, the best one. One of them. Hey. In particular. Why don't you pick was the best really one? Really funny. They both are very <laughs> funny, but yeah. Whatever, if you want to be. <laughs> well, I feel like we should probably be wrapping up. Oh yeah. Um. Even though I have lots of unanswered questions, I know I rambled. I, sorry. I'm sorry. It's my so it's my fault. I'm so I'm guiding the. We've got time. 
you can always I, this you know we're not live on the air so you can just no but i usually i don't i mean i don't do any editing well, so you i've should, learned there's a certain said some real stupid <laughs> there's shit. a certain tolerance that perhaps the listeners have so no i think I they want to listen to me for at least another four hours is that four let's make that work what do you say I'm just kidding. You've got to I have a head show to down get to. to um, Entertaining Julia. The, yes. At the Julia's the bartender. The last behind the bar. Oh, that's where the name comes from. That's where the name comes from. Do let's let's run through the the list the list here again. Sure. Real quick. Like let's do it. TBS just for last festival starting Tuesday. Tuesday. June fourteenth. Mm-hmm. Which is very soon. Yes. People, I I promise I'll have this available to listen before that day. I'll post or, it, or maybe that day, but before that day, hopefully. And uh, so that's it. Secret Big Time Local Comedy Showcase. Don't at, forget the Big Time at the Beat Kitchen, mm-hmm. eight p.m. Uh, then Wednesday, June fifteenth, and Thursday, June sixteenth, Lincoln Hall, seven thirty p.m. for the New Faces of Chicago, fe- featuring yourself and many others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that shows like fifteen dollars. Yes, think. it is. And there's all kinds of other cool stuff going on. The festival, big name, big names, whatever, small names, all over the city names. Is uh, yeah, so that's gonna be great. And <laughs> uh, you're gonna ask me that, if I'm a virgin. What's going on? No. Okay. No. Um, I was gonna say. I was just gonna remind everybody that you also do entertaining julia mm-hmm. with the pooter bow yes. sisters at the town hall pub every sunday night at 9 p.m and you're also a member of the chicago underground comedy truth what's it which performs at the beat kitchen the beat kitchen at 9 30 usually yeah every time except for this except for Tuesday. this time so you can you can find you there and then you also i saw you also have um uh, you're in a play or something? Oh, yeah. I'm working on this play called Five Lesbians Eating a Quiche. Five Lesbians Eating a Quiche. That sounds fascinating. Opens June 24th at Donkhaus, the German cultural center that's on Western, just shy of Lawrence, just south. And then I also see here um, Jokes and Notes. Oh, yeah. I'll be at Jokes and Notes, Southside Comedy Club, June 30th. So, you've got chances. You guys could come hang. You have chances or to... Or go to my website, sweetbeth.com. Um, and then in and six me a weeks message. or so, gone. Yeah, you'll never see me unless, again. Unless no, I'll come in, back. She'll come back. I will totally come back. Uh, but then the people in Los Angeles, then they... They'll be so Then they sad. get to find out. They'll be so sad. They'll be sad when you leave to come back. Yeah, real sad. I know they will. <laughs> Well, no, the second I leave. They'll be like, oh, she's out, she's out visiting friends in Chicago this <laughs> week. Bummer. Um, well, thank you, Yeah, thank you, Kendall. chatting with me. Mm-hmm. I do have one final request, which is that at the end of uh, the episode, I like to... Uh, oh, I, ah, oh. no, it's okay. Everybody's fine. You guys, edit that out. No. No, we'll just let the mystery okay. remain. At the very end, I like to let the guest have the final say or word or like mm-hmm. statement or some just like profound message oh, that God. we end on. So it's really important, but not any pressure and go. Oh, no. Guys, listen. Follow your dreams. Okay. Just 
Go confidently in the direction of your dream. That's not my quote. That's somebody else. If you want to do stand-up, you can email me and I'll help you. Or you could just go to an open mic and do it. And just do what you think is funny. And then be confident. And have fun doing it. And don't give up. Unless you're awful, then you should probably think about something else. That was mean. I'm sorry. But it's true. So, yeah. Uh, or come see it. Or be a civilian and come see comedy. We love when you support live comedy. I think I don't have anything good to say besides that. This was my chance, and I totally blew it. Thank you for this Oscar. That, too. That's going to be my acceptance speech. Okay, I love you. <laughs>